coming to you here and uh, those of you that are online. We're so grateful. We're coming to uh, our fourth week of having two services, 9, 15, and 11. And so as we uh, continue forward, just want you to know how blessed we are and we love you. You know, every single week that we come here and we gather together, and we've been praying through the week, and all of you, and all of our worship team, all the, the people that work in the nursery, the kids XP, security, the cafe. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes on to just be together. It's amazing. It really is. It's incredible stuff that God does. And we're so, like, I'm just overwhelmed by the, um, the amount of people that have a heart to serve and to be available to God. It's awesome. And uh, part of what we were just singing about and what God wants to challenge us with today. As we began the, the service this morning with the first song, it talked about fear and surrender and all that stuff. As we moved through the, the songs as we were singing, because, you know, I, I, I have access to know what they're going to sing, but I don't look at it. And uh, as I'm preparing for what God wants me to say and to pray and to seek and listen... Every week I come in here and I'm like, man, God, you're so amazing and, and oh, it's so humbling to know how God moves across the body of Christ and how he sets things up just for me and you. You know, God does this for us. God does it. And so if God's doing that and he's that detailed that the songs that we would sing would align with the scriptures that he would have me to speak to you about, it's pretty easy for me to step up here and say, God has a message for us. It's for me first. He gives it to me because he wants me to hear it and to apply it in my life. And then he asks me to share it with you because God wants it to apply in all of our lives. And as I look at his word, he just continues to, to just astound and amaze me. And yet I shouldn't be. You know, I gave my life to him when I was 19 years old. And I'm 58 today. Not today, but I mean, I'm 58 now. My birthday was in October. I'm 58 and a half. You know how kids do that. I'm 58 and a half because they want to be older. We're like, well, I'm 58 until the last day, and then I turn 59. Anyway, you know, God's done so many amazing things, and yet the, he still amazes me. And it's like, why would I be amazed at what God does when he always does amazing stuff? Isn't it crazy? But it's still cool to be amazed, and he still does it, and I'm so glad. Because he knows that I, um, I need him. And he shows me all the time. I hope that you spent some time with him this week in his word. At least five days. At least five minutes at a time that you either read or listened to his word. Did you do that? Um, I'm not sure if you knew I was going to ask that. If you just didn't do it this week. But last week you were a little weak on that. I'm just telling you, you got to get in God's <laughs> word. Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you spend some time alone with God with no agenda? You know, that's probably one of the hardest things for us to do is to come before God to be with God and not start telling Him what you need from Him. Because I find myself in my quiet time with God to, to spend time with Him and tell Him I love Him, how amazing He is, how I see His hands working in the world, so I watch what's going on. Thank you for touching my family. Thank you for touching my life. Thank you for who you are. And God, would you? That's what I end up doing. I mean, seriously, every time I do. I mean, not in that order. It just starts to happen where I begin to ask. 
And it's like, man, God, you know, I'm sorry. I, I know who you are and I know what you're asking of me, but I also know I want to be with you without just saying, hey, I need you to do stuff for me. All right. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Oh, good. Well, two people know, so I want the rest of y'all to know that I'm about to reveal something that God has, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, okay? So this is going to catch y'all all by surprise, I guess. Uh, when the Holy Spirit's speaking, I want you to know that He plants a seed and He always affirms it. Always affirms it. And it's never contradictory to the Word of God. It's the first measurement of what God's saying to us is the Word of God. And then God always affirms His Word by the mouth of two or three witnesses. He says so. It's going to happen. All right. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? You invite someone to church this week with you? There's some cards that are available here and back there on that welcome center when you come in uh, that you can grab and you can invite people to church with you. That'd be amazing. We want to look at what God has to say to us today. I'm super excited to speak this word to you. This is Jesus, and he's making a teaching here. And uh, Matthew 25. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. So we know what's going on here, right? Jesus is saying, like, I want you guys to get this. This is about the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to tell you a story that relates directly to the kingdom of heaven. Pretty important that he's leading us into the story that way so that we understand that what we're about to learn from him is about his kingdom, not ours. Here we go. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Okay, we're going to keep going, but we're stopping because it's really important for us to see that the opening of this teaching we're talking about our Lord doing something and giving us something for Him and for His glory and that we're to use it for His glory, right? It's about His kingdom. But notice that He didn't give everyone the exact same amount. I know in today's society, we're like all about equal portions to everyone and all that stuff. We are. We're all hung up on it, you know. My kids laughed because when we were, we all still make fun of this. When they were in a little Christian school back in Michigan, you know, they would give certificates to all the kids, but they wanted to make sure every kid got a certificate because they didn't want anyone to feel like they were left out. So the ones that really didn't do anything or didn't deserve anything got a special to Jesus award. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how many of those we got. I'm kidding. But anyway, you know, we still laugh about that, you know, because it's like this one got the best. He had more memory verses. This one was, you know, this and did all these things. And you're special to Jesus. You know, we don't know what your problem is, but I know he loves you. So here you go. Go home with that. All right. So see, in our, in our culture, in our society, we don't want anyone to feel like they don't measure up. So we want everyone to be feeling like you matter as much as everyone else. It's not that you don't matter, but we have different abilities, and it's okay. 
It's okay. It doesn't make you better than someone else because you have more abilities than them. Right? Seriously. This is a teaching from Jesus. He's like, look, y'all don't have the same abilities. Therefore, I'm not trusting you with my stuff. Come on. I don't go into the house. When my kids were little, you know, Dave, Dale and Derek, yes, they were all D's and it's intentional, okay. Once we named the first two, we couldn't name the last one without a D, right? So we had to come up with that one. But I'm saying like, I didn't go in there and say, Derek, I want you to take care of your brothers. I'm going to head out of the house now. He was the baby. Why would I give him that responsibility when he was the little guy that needed someone to watch over him? We got some crazy stuff going on in our world and in our mind and it happens in the church. And Jesus has given us a story about the kingdom and he's like, look, I'm not trusting you with everything. You'll get five. I know what you're able to do. You'll get two. I know what you're able to do. You're going to get one because I know what you're able to do. So automatically we're like, wow, he was a loser. (laughs) No, listen to what Jesus said according to your ability the one that got one had ability he had ability okay so don't lose that in what he is saying to us he did not have the same expectations of them either Hmm. so he gave them the stuff that he wanted them to have that he could trust them with And he gave it to them according to their abilities because why? He knew what they were capable of. Hmm. He knew them. It wasn't just like a random, you know, let's do a lottery. You get five, you get two, you get one. Let's see what you do. No, according to their ability, he knew who they were. He knew how they lived. He knew what they could handle. And he, because he owned it all, trusted them individually by who they were and what they could do. I'm going to make this point and read on. Listen to this. God is not asking anyone to do more or produce more than we can actually do. He's not. God knows us. And what he's asking us to do, he knows we can do through him. Man, that's, that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. <laughs> Let's go on reading. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. <clears throat> so as I read this and I look at that, I'm like, wow, Jesus is like, he's flat out coming after us right here. You know that, right? Jesus is like flat out coming after his followers. And he's letting them know, you're going to give account to me. Church, you do understand you're going to give account to God, right? You know, sometimes we have this idea that because we were saved, we're just going to fly through and everything's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing, but we're going to give account. He expects something from his servants. He's making it very, very clear here. He's like, I've given you something 
but I didn't just give you something to, for you to have something. It was mine in the first place, and I'm expecting you to do something with what is mine. Hmm. See, that's a little bit of a different gospel than what a lot of us want to hear or have heard. We think it's all about us, and we think that Jesus died just to give us this free pass into freedom. Well, it is, and it is freedom, but since we've been purchased, he owns us. Come on, church, it's like he owns us. So he's letting us know, and he's clarifying something here. Whose stuff are we using? It's all his. He said so. He's like, I want you to understand this. It's about the kingdom and everything you have is actually mine. Is there anything on the planet that's not God's? I laugh when I read little labels that say it's all natural. Everything's natural. Everything that we have has come from this planet. Seriously. Plastic is natural. It came from this environment. Seriously. Think about it. Everything here is God's. Every person on the planet, every animal, every molecule, everything here is God's. And He is the one that has allowed us to live in His creation and He's given it to us to be stewards. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. He said, I'm giving you this. I'm heading out, but I'm coming back. You getting the picture here, church? Jesus is making this statement to him, like, I want you to know I'm entrusting you and I'm leaving and I'm coming back. And when I come back, you're going to give an account. So they all knew this. Every one of these guys in this story knew there was going to be a day of reckoning. They knew it. And as we look in the Word of God, He called them to give an account of how they had used His stuff, His money. See, one of the biggest struggles Christians tend to find themselves in is ownership issues. <laughs> it really is. We struggle with ownership. People are already nervous that I'm going to talk about money. Jesus is talking about money here. I'm not. I'm talking about ownership. Jesus is talking about whose is it in the first place. <laughs> Love it. I don't preach on money very, very, very rare do I even say anything about it. But this is what Jesus is talking to us about right here in his word. So please hear it. It's an ownership issue. So please don't get hung up on money because this is way more than money than we're talking about. But the first point I want to make is about money. And here it is. The ownership issue comes when God asks us for something, which he has, Y'all know that, right? God has asked us to show our heart of love to Him in giving, right? So this is the, the, the biggest struggle that most Christians in their journey as they navigate through with God is, I can't give that much. Whatever that much is. I'm not putting a number on it or a percentage, by the way. It's just that if God says something to us or we hear something or read something, it's like, I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. God, you know I can't do that. Look at my budget. Right? Are you, are you willing to say amen to that? I mean, you don't have to like, you know, I'm just saying like, that's our struggle then. 
See, then listen to what's going on here. There's an ownership issue. Is everything that we have God's or is it mine? Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? Of course, that's a no-brainer. But who's giving it? It's me. I'm giving it. But what am I doing? I'm giving it back to Him because it's His in the first place. Okay, we'll leave that money aside. Amen. All right, let's go on. What's the next thing we say as we have these ownership issues is, you know, I don't have the ability to do that. When we've been asked of God, when God says, I want you to do this, church, you and me Christians are not doing what God's asked them to do because we feel like we don't have the ability. Do you see what Jesus said? I am giving you according to your ability. I already know what you can do. I'm not asking you to do something you can't do. I know you need me and we'll do this together, but I'm asking you because I want this to happen through you. Church, please understand, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our talents. We're not all that talented. The best of us, seriously. He's amazingly perfect and we are amazingly not. And yet he asks us. Isn't that crazy? Like that he would like say, I want you to do this for me. Sometimes we get hung up in who we are and where we're at and stuff. And, and it's like, you know, if I died today, there'll be another pastor here next Sunday. There will be. Come on, church. We get so hung up in stuff. We're committed to our jobs. Do you think they care about you? When you're gone, they're going to be happy they can get the next person for less money. I'm serious. But we get hung up in this stuff and it's like, man, what is this all about? As Christians, we already know what it's all about, but we get so hung up in here and we begin to struggle with ownership issues of everything in our life. Does God own our life? I'm going to ask that again to help you out. Does God own our life? Then he owns our time, doesn't he? (laughs) But our number one excuse is I don't have time. Think about it. As Christians, see, we're struggling with the same ownership issues. You're not as busy as you think you are, nor am I. And I I want you to know this, that I feel convicted and I hate in a good way when people say, I don't want to bother you, you're so easy busy. I'm not busy. I'm just a doer, okay? I'm going to do something. I don't care if it's walk over there and pick up a little piece of paper off the floor because I have a hard time sitting still. That's the truth. So like, don't even worry about me being too busy. I'll get to it. I'll do it. But church, see, it's like God owns all of our time. And really what it is is a stewardship issue. One thing we have equally across the board, 24 hours in a day. Right? Some of us have the ability to do more in that 24 hours than others, but we're still accountable for what we do with the 24 hours. It's an ownership issue. Does God own everything you and I have? 
<laughs> Do we treat it that way? Okay, then I expect us all to be at the altar repenting today. God expects us to, right? See, this is what he's saying to us. There's an ownership issue, church. We can honestly confess like, wow, you know, really, I don't do that. I'm trying to hang on to this stuff and do my thing. And the truth is, is that if I died today, it's gone. It's gone. It's done. I lost my very good friend, Roger, on January 28th. When I met him at Starbucks, I had no idea who he was. Uh, he was a little, far, a little, he looked like a little cow. I'm sorry, I don't mean that disrespectfully. He was a little guy. He's a cowboy, older man, loved him dearly, man. We had an amazing relationship for eight years. I didn't know that he was a very wealthy man. Didn't have any idea. But as I got to know him, I realized this guy has money and he's got all these things and he was a very hardworking man. But you know, on January 28th, he left here. And all this stuff today is being divided amongst people. All of it. Took nothing with him except his faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm saying that to you, church, because, you know, as believers in Christ and the word of God, when he says, I've given you this, this is mine. I'm allowing you to use this. There comes the ownership issue, right? It's God's. We're being allowed to use it. Life, material possessions, and time. And he's also given us talents. He's given us abilities. He has. He says so right here. They're not all the same, but he's given us abilities. And so he's saying, I expect you to do something with what I gave you. What is stopping us from trusting him with who I am? What is stopping me from trusting him with my time? What is stopping me from trusting him with my finances? Are you listening to what I just said to all those things? My time, my life, my finances. What's stopping me? I'll tell you what's stopping me from trusting him with all that is the fact that it's me and not him. What about your talents? What are you doing with them? See, early in my walk with God, when I became a pastor of the church, um, my father didn't, he didn't, um, it's not his fault. I just want you to hear this right. My family, money was not like well stewarded and they didn't know how to and they struggled all the time. My father was always like obsessed with the fear of not being able to provide and do and you know the church and family and we have six of us kids. My mom was sick. All that kind of stuff, right? So when I grew up I saw that that really that fear owned him. It did. I didn't understand it when I was a kid but I saw it. And so when I became the head of my home and being with my wife, I felt that pressure of provision and I began to function in the same capacity of being obsessed with and fearful of not being able to or not having or not doing or having enough. So God calls me in the ministry and now I'm responsible for his church as well and uh, not my home. And so it was really easy for me and I want you to hear this right to trust God with his church. Absolutely. 
I had no doubt about it that he would provide. He always will. He always does. It's his. But when I'd go home, I had a completely different mindset. I took on this responsibility where in the church, I was like, he's got it. When I was at home, it's like, I got it. Oh my goodness, I don't got it. What do I got to do to get it? You, you know what I'm saying? Ownership issue. Same God, same stuff, same provider, same end result. It's all his. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Back in uh, when everything collapsed here, the first time going to happen again for us, we all know that I hope that the economy is going to collapse. Anyway, uh, that's not a prophetic word. That's just a no-brainer common sense looking at what we've already gone through and how we're doing it again. It's like, help us, Jesus, man. We are crazy, man. So anyway, we'll just leave that alone for a second. I'll just tell you that uh, in 2008 through 12, when the economy collapsed here, we were one of the biggest uh, hit cities in the country with foreclosures and sus. My wife and I lost our home. It's the only home we ever bought and owned. We didn't own it. We were paying on it. You know what I mean? Um, the only time we ever bought a house and probably the last time we ever will. I don't care to ever buy a house. Um, uh, it was... <laughs> It was not a good investment, and I'm obviously not a good steward of purchasing homes. Uh, but anyway, when the economy collapsed here and everything happened, you know, my wife lost her job, our son in Tennessee, their place closed down, they had an accident, they lost everything, they came to live with us, there was no jobs available, we lost our home, right? So in the midst of all that struggle, I'm trying to do everything I can, because I'm like, I have, I'm responsible. I signed that, that document. I'm committed to that mortgage. I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I was pastoring the church here, dealing with everybody else, struggling, trying to do side jobs like everybody else in Tucson, trying to get extra money somewhere, somehow to make it. Because my wife's uh, job, she was working in a salon there closed. She was the manager. That closed down. And it was just like a, a snowball effect. And it was like, yeah, we're done. Can't do it. Came to that moment of surrender to God, like, okay, God, you know, you know that I signed for this. I feel responsible that I signed these documents and that I'm supposed to provide for this. But God, I already see that I'm going to kill myself physically trying to do this and not do it, and I can't. I surrender. I'm done. Kim and I got together and prayed and said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but we trust you. We give it to you. In that prayer time with God, God said, you know that uh, place you live is just a number on a street. And I already have another one for you. Just trust me. I didn't know anything. Like, I'd never gone in my life without paying my bills. Remember, I used to be obsessed with that. I mean, I told Kim when we got married, you know, we're going to pay our tithe first. That's us. We did. We're going to pay our bills. If anything's left, we'll get groceries. It's the way we lived. Being a good steward to God, right? I mean, it's Him first and everything. He always takes care of us. He always takes care of us. And so when we lost the home, I was just like, okay, well, that didn't really go according to what I thought. You know? <laughs> like, we actually had to get our stuff out and leave. And so I was like, well, I don't know what's going to happen or if anybody will even have us. We may be living in our vehicles. I don't know. You know, like everybody else was, you know, dumping and running and out of places and all that. And, and so when, when that happened, like, you know, church... I called this place like, you know, I'm losing my home and I want to rent a house. Is that even possible? I said, sure, we don't care. I was like, 
really? <laughs> you don't care that I lost my own? I won't question you. All right? <laughs> We're moving in, right? So it just so happened that God had a house for us that was actually bigger than the one we lived in for less money than we were paying the day we moved out. We moved in. And I'm just like, wow, God, you're amazing. All I had to do was let go and let you have it. Seriously, church, it's amazing. I want to finish that story for you because what happened then in that transitional time, there's these people that we met that God orchestrated to go take care of their horse. And I'm going over there and I'm like, well, this is what I needed to do anyway, but I wasn't asking for it, but there it was. I had to sell my horse at the beginning of the economic collapse because there's no way I could keep a horse during this time, right? Kept them at a friend's stable and all that. So someone just came to me out of the blue and said, would you sell me your horse? I'm like, God, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so here I am, and, I, and they say, come and take care of a horse. You know, two months later, they're like, hey, we'd like to buy you a horse if you'll stay here and take care of this one. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, here's a budget. Go buy one. Isn't God amazing when we let go? Seriously, church, he's amazing. It doesn't end there. It's so cool. They're like, okay, you know, hey, can you and Kim come by and see us? This was November of... I think it was 2012, we lost our home at 11, somewhere around there. Come and see us. So we go over there, and I'm like a little nervous, you know, like, oh, what do you want to talk to us about? We go into the living, and they say, yeah, you like this house? Like, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's where the horse is. It's horse property on the east side. Well, we'd like you to live here. We don't like it. Like, I'm like, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, I think it's amazing, but I couldn't afford to live in your tax shed. You know, I, I'm just being realistic with you here. I can't do this. They said, well, how much are you paying at the house you're renting now? Tell them the number. We'll do that. We'll do that. So if you come by our house and you're like, oh, no wonder he's getting all the money from the church. No. Seriously, it's not that. Nothing's changed. Do you understand, like right now, I don't want to put this on the internet or nothing because I don't know if my landlord's going to hear this, but, <laughs> but we're probably paying, we haven't had any increase in, in our rent. We've lived there nine years in June. And church, like seriously, we're probably paying $1,000 less than the fair market value right now of the house we're living in. And I just stand back and I'm like, God, you are so amazing that I thought I had to do everything for you. When all you were doing is saying, just give it up, Dave. Give it up. Let me do this. I've got you. It's my stuff anyway. I'll take care of you. And, and it's crazy that when God asks us for little things, church, it's, this isn't about material things. I hope you understand that. We could lose that house. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't care. I trust God. I have learned that you can trust him no matter what. I've had enough of those sleepless nights thinking I had to provide and do and clench in my teeth till I messed up some of my teeth because I couldn't sleep at night. Why? He's up there saying, hello. Remember who owns this? I, I got this. <laughs> I mean, you could tell I got it all figured out by the way I'm mm, like this, right? <laughs> You know, I'm going to work this out. That's why I'm staying awake every night. Why are we doing this? He's like, I'm, I got you here. I've already provided. Trust me. 
Okay. So I had to learn through surrender that the house I live in is much his house as this house. Any amens? Do you understand, church, that your home, where you live, your dwelling place, whoever owns it, it's his. And it's as much his as this place. And it needs to be used like it's his, not like it's ours. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handing this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a lot more money, did he? (laughs) I will give you many more responsibilities. You've proven yourself now. You've used your abilities. You've done something with them. I'm going to give you more because you can handle it. That's awesome. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. I used the same wording, didn't he? I'll give you many more responsibilities. Pretty cool. Let's celebrate together. So he's like, we're going to have a party, man, because you guys are doing what I asked you to do. And you're doing it well. (sighs) See, they were not... Anyway, let's just go on because I'm going to run out of time. 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Remember the first song we sing this morning about fear? Fear is what caused this individual to not even try. See, by his own confession, I was afraid. He knew he would give account. He knew he would give account. He knew the day of reckoning was coming. He knew he had a responsibility But fear kept him from doing something, anything, risking. Do you know, church, how many Christians are not acting in obedience purely out of the fear of failure? Out of the fear of failure, so we just don't act. Same thing, just like dig a hole and shove it in there because I like if I try I might screw up. So what? I tried to buy a house. <laughs> Don't come for me for investment ideas. <laughs> okay. It's okay. All right, but we're not acting in obedience purely out of the fear of failure. I want you to know God is not okay with that. We sang about it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because church, the enemy uses fear to control the world. Do you know what's happening in our world around us? Everything is based on fear. The what if. Well, what if? Seriously, what if? What if the economy collapses? 
Is God still God? He is. So what? If you get sick and die, isn't that what we're all going to do eventually? I'm not making light of it. I'm saying like we're fearful of the what if. And the truth of the matter is God is calling us to be faithful and He's called us with our own abilities that He's placed inside of us to just act. You see, just act in obedience. That's all. Just act in obedience. And it will work out. It'll work out. <laughs> Fear, it's a paralyzer. It's, it's so aggravating, isn't it? See, here's our fears. I don't have it. I can't do it. I can't afford it. Right? I mean, you, you know, you've heard all those things in your head. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> See, these excuses keep us bottled up in a miserable way inside of ourselves. See, when fear owns us and we dig the hole and we bury stuff, that, that hole talks to us and it never leaves us alone. We know it's there. We know there's going to be a day of reckoning. And so we're in this torment that's inside of us. I'll screw it up if I take that out of there. I'll screw it up if I have to do something. I can't make it work. I can't do it. And God's like, I've entrusted you. I've entrusted you. God's entrusted us. He knew he'd give account. Why are we not doing what God's asked us to do? Because we're afraid? What are you not giving that God's asked you to give? Again, I'm not even quarantining that to money. I'm saying, what is it that God's asking you to give that fear is keeping you from acting on? But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Like, even if it was like less than 1%, something would have happened, right? You wouldn't have even had to do anything but just go by and put it in there. That was all. He was like, you could have done that. See, by his own admission, the servant stated that he knew he was going to give account here, right? You heard that? I knew who you were. I knew what you expected. And I acted in fear because of who you are. It's crazy. Now, notice this, that what the individual that's giving account labeled as fear, Jesus labeled as lazy. Huh. That's pretty weird, isn't it? Think about that. Look what he said. You wicked and lazy servant. <laughs> wow. So I'm using fear as my excuse for being lazy? Yeah, I am. I'm not doing, therefore I'm lazy because I'm not acting. This is Jesus talking here. He's telling us this is about the kingdom of God. Fear is actually laziness. Like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not going to go there with you. Look, you don't have to. Jesus took us there. 
You don't have to agree with me. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what Jesus said. You wicked and lazy servant. You did nothing. You did nothing. Well, right away we're like, well, I'm doing something. Oh, thank God I'm here at church today. At least I'm doing something. <laughs> Friends, <laughs> do you really think you don't have time to serve? Do you really think you don't have time to serve? Do you really think you can't afford to give to God? Do you really think you don't have talents that He wants to use? Come on. Look, you hear me? This, this is God talking to us. Then He ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the righteous God who's dropping the hammer. Not okay with lazy. <laughs> Again, I'd say in our, our culture, we're looking at this as pretty harsh and we're like, why didn't he give it to the guy with two? He said he, he already proved himself and that would have bumped him up. Come on, God, why didn't you do that? So I'm just going to ask you, like, if you put your 401k, if you're blessed to have one of those, and you know these guys produce 3%, and they and, and this other company does 10 are you going to go, oh, the 3% people need some more help, so I'm going to go give them my stuff. <laughs> I don't think so. You're going to go for the 10. Come on. And so Jesus is, like, teaching us something. Like, I, I know the abilities of this guy. Give it to him. He's going to do something amazing with it this isn't about equality it's about the kingdom of god it's about doing with what he's given us all right man i'm not gonna this two service things kind of crimping me a little bit here <laughs> we can just invite them in and just keep going but anyway <laughs> okay okay so real i gotta hurry because it's 10 th is that clock right jeez they used to bump it up so I had an extra five or ten minutes and they didn't tell me. So listen, Christian people, you know, we, we trust our investments in stock markets and real estate. Not everybody here. I'm, not, I'm aware of that. Like, but I'm saying a lot of Christian people, they trust that, but they don't trust God. <laughs> See, we, we as Christians even think we can't afford the time to serve God in any capacity outside attending church once a week. Even attending church one time a week, some people think that's a sacrifice. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's the Christian church of today. It's like, if I show up on Sunday, man, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. Actually, if I show up three Sundays out of the month, I'm above the average. So, whoo, thank you, Jesus. There's my uh, half percent. Anyway. <laughs> oh. All right, on the other side of this, we'll say that there's also Christian people that do give financially, they do give other time of service, and then they think God owes them something because they're actually being obedient. Right? I mean, we're like, look all I do for you. Hello. I'm pretty important. I'm special. I'm way better than the rest of these people because look what I do for you. Look what I'm giving. Hey, look, hey, I'm going to, right here in the box, is that where you want it? Woo! Yeah! It's Monday. Hello! 
<laughs> Seriously, what are we doing? We got preachers telling us that stuff on the internet and on TV. Drop it in and then you're going to get paid. It's like, seriously? Come on. He owns it all. He can do what he wants with it. It's his. He'll give you what you deserve to get. So if you're struggling, maybe you ought to do something about it. Right? No, I'm serious. It's like, okay, is everything his or not? Can he trust you? Okay. Um, the bottom line is we are struggling with ownership issue, right? That's, that's the bottom line. Does he really own me? If he does, then he owns all my time. If he's God and he's allowed me to live, then everything I have is his because he says it is. And so it's like when we say, you know, time for offering, time for serving. We, we need help in this area, this area that's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Right? This isn't Dave giving a guilt trip. That doesn't work. And it shouldn't. See, it's a moment of surrender where I'm saying, what do you want to do with me, God? Where do you want me? What do you want from me? Where do you want me? And then we let him be God and give direction. And he'll always take care of us. So when I ask that question, um, are you giving God of your time, talents, and resources? This is what it's about. It's about ownership. And so does he truly own all of that with you? What has God asked you to do? That you're bearing because of fear. It's time for the altar call because we're out of time. I was going to have us sing that last song again, but I don't think we have time. Do we have time? <laughs> See, you know, I was like, I'm like, God's so amazing me. Remember the last song we sang in worship? I am available. It is. So we're like surrendering like this to him. Like, I am available. But Lord, I, I hope that you're okay with a single today. <laughs> I'll see you next Sunday. I am available next Sunday at 9.15. At 10.30, no longer available. <laughs> Come on, man, let's stand up. You're gonna, I'm going to keep you here if we don't do this, right? Come on. What is God talking to you about? What is it, church, that he's asking to give him? Seriously. Seriously. Such a serious thing. We're going to give account. It's all his. Everything is his. Everything is his. Everything. Time, talents, my life, my all, my family, my things. It's all his. God, what do you want us to do with it? We surrender. Holy Spirit, you challenge us right where we need to be challenged because, God, this is all about this. It's about who owns it. God, you own it. It's all yours. And that includes me, the lady you've entrusted me with, the children you allowed us to raise, the grandkids that are coming up, the extended family, the church, this building, this property. It's all yours, God 
all yours. <laughs> kingdom and do his work god bless you thank you so much for being here today amen he's so good thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus